Okay, welcome to the deeper you go, the weirder it gets. I'm your host, Garrett Rennan. So it looks like if we count the trailer, this is episode four, so slowly chugging along here. And if you're liking the show so far, please uh, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button, leave a review. And again, if you have any questions or ideas, hit me up. So I'm going to talk about existence. So let's talk about one of life's ultimate questions, and that's where does life come from? Or maybe a better question would be, where does existence come from? Existence can be defined as basically anything and everything, life, the planets, stars, and solar systems. Where does it all come from? Is it a product of some grand design, of some greater intelligence, or is it a product of random events taking place over a near-infinite time scale? Who knows, right? I mean, like I said, this is one of life's ultimate questions, and the answers were actually theories because there's really no agreeable answer. So the theoretical answers to the question of where life comes from have sparked a debate that has lasted, well, forever, or at least as long as we humans have been able to contemplate our existence. So while there seems to be no consensus to the theories, one thing I think we can and probably should all agree on is that the two main theories are both completely insane. One, see, one theory says we, are, we were created by something, a greater force, a higher intelligence, and the other says that we are just a product of random occurrences. While many of us may be able to wrap our heads around the idea of a creator, even if we don't believe this to be true, it's fairly easy to understand the concept of a creator. However, the idea of random events taking place over a near-infinite timescale is much harder to comprehend. An idea, So to, to help give this some context, there's this an idea called the infinite monkey theorem. And the infinite monkey theorem states that a monkey hitting keys at random on a typewriter for an infinite amount of time will almost surely type any given text, such as the complete works of Shakespeare. This means that given enough time, random, randomness will eventually produce great complexity. So, I don't know, I have a hard time, you know, with that one. To me, the idea of a creator sounds a little bit more believable than randomness. I'm not saying that I necessarily believe in a creator, just saying that the idea of randomness turning into complexity is is very hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, But anyway, if you look deeper into either of these ideas, both lead to more questions than answers. For example, who created the creator? And if it is random, how does something come from nothing? How does order arrive out of chaos? And that's essentially what I was talking about with the infinite monkey theorem. You know, how does order arrive out of chaos? So I don't plan on providing any answers to this question. However, I believe we can learn a lot just by discussing this topic. Okay, so this debate about how we came to be has two major players, science and religion or spirituality, for lack of a better term. So I will probably use the terms religion and spirituality interchangeably. But but the two major players are science and religion. First, let's lay some groundwork. 
when discussing a topic of this magnitude, it's best to remove specifics and talk about things in generalities or metaphors. So I want to talk about the about distilling an idea down to its essence. An example of this distillation can be seen using heroes. Today we have lots of modern heroes such as Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. On the surface, each of these heroes are completely different. However, if you distill these heroes down to their essence, you get what's called the archetype of a hero, one who rises up, who one who rises up to the challenge to challenge the unknown and uses their strengths and abilities for the highest good. So when I talk about religion or spirituality in this episode, I'm not talking about any one specific religion. I'm talking about the archetype of religion. Religion, at its essence, is about believing in a power or force greater than ourselves. It's a belief in the supernatural. And when I talk about science, I'm talking about the idea that there is an objective reality which is governed by natural laws and that these laws can be discovered by systematic observation and experimentation. It's the belief that everything can or eventually will be explained using reason and logic. So to distill these ideas down even further, you could say that science tries to make sense of the natural world while spirituality tries to make sense of the supernatural world. And that's where things start to get really interesting because it means that science and and spirituality are dualistic in nature. This means they are moral opposites, which seem to both complement and oppose each other at the same time. Think of science and spirituality like yin and yang, light and dark, or summer and winter. They are equal and opposite. They are two different sides of the same coin. Science deals in the world of observation, hard facts and data. It believes only in what can be proven. Whereas spirituality is moving beyond the physical world, dealing with experiences and phenomena which can't be measured. You know, you can't put spirituality in a spreadsheet or you can't take a picture of it. But just like every pair of moral opposites, they both have their strengths and weaknesses. See, science is necessary because it gives us a concrete understanding of how most of the physical world works. Because of this understanding, we have amazing technologies, modern comforts, and access to unlimited amounts of information. And as time goes on, our understanding continues to grow. So there's no design that, no denying that our lives are better because of science. However, science's inter- in interpretation of the world is limited by our current testing procedures, measurement devices, and even our physical senses. An example of this limitation is the visible spectrum. So here's a great quote from neuroscientist and author David Engelman. So David says, when we open our eyes and think we're seeing the whole world out there, hold on, let me say that again. So we open our eyes and we think we're seeing the whole world out there. But what has become clear and really just in the last few centuries is that when you look at the electromagnetic spectrum, we are seeing less than one-tenth billionth of the information writing on there. So we call that visible light. But everything else passing through our body is completely invisible to us. Even though we accept the reality that's presented to us, we are really only seeing a, a little window of what's happening. So in other words, our perception represents a tiny, tiny, small fraction of true reality. We are essentially blind to nearly 99% of the real world. Sure, science has developed tools 
which now allow us to see or at least prove the existence of the entire electromagnetic spectrum. But one must wonder what other stuff exists, which our current instruments have no capability of seeing. And when it comes to spirituality, spirituality is necessary because it gives us a platform to try to explain the unexplainable, to try to help us try to analyze that which can't be measured. But the biggest weakness for spirituality is the fact that there's no way to prove the existence of these supernatural experiences. Instead of having hard facts, we are left with only personal or anecdotal accounts. Without proof, spiritual ideas can attract a lot of nonsense and even con artists. Not to mention, it can be nearly impossible to distinguish between what's real and what's a delusion. Okay, so... Let's kind of recap for a second. When we distill both science and spirituality down to their essence, we learn that science deals in the physical world, and we learn that spirituality deals in the non-physical, and we learn that they are dualistic in nature, like the sun and the moon, both complementing and opposing each other at the same time. While this in itself is rather fascinating, it's we're, we're nowhere near closer, any closer to answering the question of, of existence. However, the way we approach the question of existence just might be one of the most important factors in determining the type of life we, sh- we live. So in other words, what we believe might actually be more important than the actual answer. I know this sounds crazy, but just, just hear me out for a second. See, whether we believe life was created by an intelligence or, or that it's just a product of random, randomization plays a larger role, plays a large role in how we approach life. This is because it all comes down to meaning. See, if you believe that life just arrived from a series of random events, it means that there is no reason for our existence. It means that we are just a product of dumb luck, nothing more than an accident just a mere blip in the cosmos. It means that in the grand scheme of things, our existence is small and and insignificant. And we are nothing more than just a single drop of water in an infinite ocean. And if you extract this idea out far enough, it can lead to some dark places and dark thoughts. Because if there is no reason for our existence, the next logical conclusion is that what we do or how we act doesn't matter, right? However, if there's an intelligence behind existence, then we could conclude that we are here for a reason and that what we do and how we act truly matters. Think of it like this. Let's say we have a house and in one scenario, that house will be torn down in six months to a year. And in the other scenario, that same house will be sold in six months to a year. Depending on which scenario you are in, you would treat that house completely different. If the house was being torn down in less than a year, you would do just enough to get by. There would be no incentive to do anything more just because, well, that house doesn't matter. However, if that house was going to be sold in less than a year, you would not only be motivated to make all the necessary repairs, but you would also be motivated to make upgrades and improvements. If the house is getting torn down, your belief that is that nothing you do really matters. But if the house is being sold, then your belief is that everything you do to that house matters. The same house gets treated completely different depending on your beliefs. So at the end of the day, the answer of how existence came to be may not be as important as the belief in how it came to be. 
if you live your life like what you do and how you act matters, you and the world will be better off than if you live your life like what you do doesn't matter. Our beliefs are extremely important to our livelihood. In certain scenarios, not all, but in a lot, but in a lot of scenarios, what we believe might matter more than what's true. And here's the crazy, here's a crazy part. Even if the truth about our existence is just random and there's no meaning to life, if we act as if our life, if we act as if our life do have meaning, we'll still be better off. So I guess what I'm saying is that live your life as if what you do matters because that seems to be the most important thing you can do. So again, no matter what you believe, I always encourage you to keep an open mind, but act as if your life matters because it does. So I'll see you on the other side.